Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. And good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and are you into the holiday season? Have you really gotten in the spirit? I have. I guess it's December the 7th today, and it looks like we're going to have a pretty day today. And uh, my wife and I celebrated our 26-year wedding anniversary Wednesday. Happy anniversary, babe. I love you. And uh, we we went shopping. We went Christmas shopping. And it was a ball just kind of getting into the Christmas season. And, you know, the holiday season means preparation preparation and preparation we have dinners we have travel we have parties we have to plan our gift purchases and our gift giving i would say it's as much a season of preparation as it is celebration and the same goes for financial planning you know december 31st is the end of the fiscal year where everything is based on tax wise And there are several actions to take before December 31st to be sure you have your financial house in order for the end of 2019. You know, everybody thinks of April 15th as the most important tax preparation day, but I would argue it's really December 31st because December 31st is the deadline for so many other things that actually impact the tax return. Once we get into the next year, it's too late. We're going to get a 1099. There's nothing we can do about the 1099. So it's the deadline for 401k contributions, required minimum distributions, itemized deductions for things like gifts and large purchases and how you pay your property tax, capital gains planning, gifts to count in the 2019 tax year. And it's just a few weeks away here. So many people are stressed out by the holidays from traveling, family, cooking, shopping, or all of it. But in the midst of all this busyness, it can be easy to forget about important end-of-year financial dates. But like all of the preparation that goes into our holidays, financial planning can be well worth the time and effort and make an impact for years to come. You know, for example, remembering to max out your 401k contribution by the end of the year can help you save for retirement and lower your tax burden. Or maybe you've been meaning to write a check to your favorite charity before Christmas but have forgotten, well, you have deadlines you have to be aware of. So we're going to talk today about end-of-year planning, tax minimization, because it's so important. I'm also going to talk today in this show about a, a change that's likely to happen regarding your required minimum distributions where the calculation is going to change. We'll talk about how to pass on an IRA using a trust and how not to do to pass on your IRA using a trust. 
We'll also talk about understanding the gift rules. How do you make tax-free gifts? What are the limitations if you want to give some money to somebody? I can't tell you how often I have people misunderstand that come into my office or come to my classes and misunderstand how gifting rules work. When you just want to make a gift to your child or your grandchild or a niece, how do those rules work? When do you have to file a gift tax return, and do you have to pay any tax? So we're going to talk about all those things today, but first, we'll talk about end-of-year tax planning. So the holiday season is so busy, we don't want to forget about these financial deadlines. April 15th seems a long way away, but if you don't do certain things by December 1st, or excuse me, December 31st, you're dead in the water on your planning. So let's talk about a few of those. Now, the one big one that I've already just mentioned is maxing out your 401k or 403b or your federal thrift savings, whatever your employer plan is at work, maxing out those contributions as much as you can afford to. That gets you more money saved for retirement. It's unquestionable in my mind the best way to create wealth long term is in some sort of a retirement account, whether it's a traditional or a Roth no question it's the best way to create wealth because you don't have to worry about paying income taxes as those monies accumulate as they grow. And if you do it for before December 31st, you're getting a tax deduction. Uh, if it's traditional, you're getting a tax deduction for this year. And your employer plans have to be funded by the end of the year. So, you know, for those of you under age 50, the maximum is $19,000. For those of you that are in the that are fifty or older as of this year, you can do twenty five thousand dollars fully tax deductible. So if you're in a twenty four percent tax bracket, you put twenty five thousand dollars in there. I mean, you're going to save you know a little over sixty five, a little over fifty five hundred dollars in income taxes. Or right at about fifty five hundred, roughly. So that's a big deal. So uh, now, there, what? What if you're self employed? If you're self employed, what? Or what if even? What if you have a job and you're in a four hundred one k and you're also self employed? Well, you you can use this vehicle called a solo four hundred one k, and a solo four hundred one k is a tremendous option. Uh, many of you that are self-employed have used SEP IRA. SEP stands for Simplified Employee Pension IRA. So it's kind of like an IRA. It's p- kind of like a pension. It kind of shares some characteristics of both. The solo 401k is is kind of similar. In many ways, it's treated more like an IRA in the, in the guidelines in the IRS. But in a lot of ways, it's treated more like a 401k. And one of the most important aspects of that is the first 19,000 that you earn or if you're 50 or up the first 25,000 you earn can all be put into the solo 401k and you can either do it on the Roth and it's tax free forever or you can do it on the four, on the traditional and get a full tax deduction on that $25,000 so you can put more money in more quickly uh, when you have a solo 401k as opposed to a SEP IRA. So if you're self-employed and you haven't looked at that, you really do need to. And if you've been doing SEP IRA, one distinction is that while you have until your tax filing to fund the solo 401k for 2019, so you can do it next spring, 
you have to have the account open by December 31st, even if there's nothing in it. So it's important to know all these rules and you don't miss opportunities to get tax deductions and to save more money for retirement in a very tax efficient way. Now, then also how you, if you know, if you're maybe going to itemize your deductions or maybe you're getting close, well, you want to be smart about how you're handling things like property taxes. Are you going to pay them now or in, or in January or February? Um, you could prepay mortgage. You could prepay your January mortgage payment and get a larger interest deduction. And then how do you pay medical and tuition? You know, medical bills, if you exceed 10% of your adjusted gross in, you can deduct these costs. And if you have a kid in college and they're in the first four years and you want to help pay for the college education, you can use the American Opportunity Tax Credit. And that's even if you don't itemize. That is worth up to $2,500 per qualifying students if you're a married couple filing jointly with modified adjusted gross income of under $160,000. So those are just little things with itemized deductions where now all of a sudden you might get up over that you know, $24,400, which is your standard deduction for a joint filer in 2019. You know, if you could get that up to twenty-six dollars or $28,000 by paying things now instead of January, if you can afford to, that's worth money in your pocket with tax planning. Now then, keeping your eye on your capital gains. Capital gains tax planning late in the year in December is one of the most important elements of tax planning and so many people overlook it many times you want to take the different things in your portfolio and maybe realize some losses Uh, but many times you actually want to do the opposite and realize some gains intentionally because when you realize gains a lot of times many people especially in their early years of retirement can be in a zero percent tax bracket for long-term capital gains you know if you're a joint filer you can have total income of up to just a little over $102,000. And if you're itemizing your deductions, it'd even be higher. But let's just call it $102,000. And if any of that is long-term capital gains, guess what the tax rate is for that? It's zero. It's an unbelievable planning opportunity. And most people aren't aware of it and don't do it. That's just another year-end planning opportunity. If you're over 70 and a half, you should be doing your qualified charitable distributions because, you know, you have those required minimum distributions from your IRAs. and But you can use some or all of that as a charitable gift, and it comes off of your adjusted gross income. And you still get that standard deduction, at, at which would be over 25,000 actually if you're 70 and a half. So that's a great great opportunity um if you're doing any kind of real charitable giving and you're over 70 and a half you should begin and potentially end with your IRA. You can only do it out of an IRA and have it be deducted straight off of page 1 of your income tax return. You cannot do it out of a 401k or any other kind of an employer retirement account. It has to be an IRA. And you know what? I need to finish this segment. There there are other things that I haven't even gotten into. But I can't tell you how critical it is to sit down and do your year-end planning and see how you can. Because once you get to January 1st, it's just too late in, in many instances with tax planning. All right? Now, we help our clients with foresight. 
so that they can take advantage and make sure their hard-earned money goes to them instead of being unnecessarily overtaxed. And you can get more and more of our information on our website at broganfinancial.com. Also, my upcoming classes in the new year are up for registration. I'll be at the University of Tennessee January 30th and February the 6th. Two-part class, two two-hour sessions. You can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com. That's the name of the class, financialsurvivalforretirement.com, to get more information, download a syllabus, and click to register if you like. Then I'll be in uh, Pellissippi, Hardin Valley in March. I've got my full spring schedule outlined at the website. You can go to broganfinancial.com and click on classes. You can also sign up for our weekly e-blast where we send out a newsletter to give you more great information like what I'm talking about today with year-end tax planning. That's just one topic. So the, the content I put out for the week is then summarized, and you have links to our podcast, which include this radio show, includes my dollars and cents segment I do in non-financial shows, uh, three to five minute tip of the week, and then of course my retirement minute, which runs every week on this station throughout the week. So go to my website, broganfinancial.com, and stay plugged in so you can learn ways to keep your hard-earned money, more of it for you. Okay. Now, when we come back, I'm going to talk about proposed changes which are likely to go into place in 2021 on your required minimum distributions. The calculation looks like is going to change. Big news. Don't go away. This is more living right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to more living with jim brogan during the week jim is a financial advisor an author and speaker with an mba from the university of tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives you can reach brogan financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com and now Here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. And the IRS has actually proposed new updated life expectancy tables to use when calculating your required minimum distribution. Believe it or not, Donald Trump, President Trump, signed an executive order for the IRS to look into this because the life expectancy tables that are used to determine how much money you have to start taking out at 70 and a half, those tables were developed in 2002. That wasn't, I mean, April of 2002. So we're almost 18 years ago. And as you know, people are living longer and longer lives. The life expectancy of a 70-year-old today is longer than the life expectancy of a 70-year-old 18 years ago. So the the tables, that they've proposed the new rule, and that's usually what happens. They propose it, it. It invites comments. It'll go into law. 
be it'll be unchanged in 2020. It'll be the same calculation. But in 2021, the calculation is going to start to change. And because people are living longer, it means you're going to have to take out a little bit less. Not a lot less, but a little bit less. So let's review this. Required minimum distributions, of course, that's where the IRS at age 70 and a half starts saying you absolutely have to take money out of your retirement account. IRA, 401k, 403b, 457, government TSP, any kind of qualified company retirement plan. There are a couple of exceptions. uh, Really, the only big exception is if you're still working and have a 401k, an employer plan. You know, the IRS says you don't have to take it, start taking it out until you retire. So other than that, 70 and a half, you got to start taking it out. And the reason for that is think about it. Now, this is not Roth. It's everything except for Roth. You never have to take out any money out of your Roth. But the the reason is, if you think about it, the money that went in, most of the money that went into your IRA or 401k was not taxed. It was deducted from taxable income, and then the growth hasn't been taxed. So you have to realize when you look at these accounts, you do not you do not own that entire account. You have a partner, and your partner is Uncle Sam. And so at some point, you have to start paying off your partner. So at age 70 and a half, the IRS forces you to take these distributions and their taxable income. Most, if not all of that money coming out each year is fully taxable. So right now... Under current law, the year you turn 70 and a half, if you also are 70 that year, see, some people don't turn 70 and a half until the year that they're 71, right? If I'm, I'm born in August, so I won't turn 70 half and a half until February of the year after I'm 70, which means I'll never take a minimum as a 70-year-old because I'll be 71 that next year. But if you're 70 and a half, Let's say you were born before, uh, between January 1st and June 30th. The math is you have to take out roughly 127th of the account, roughly. It's actually right at about 3.65% in year one. So uh, roughly 127th. In the new guidelines, it's roughly 129th. So it's, it's, and it's down around, it's a little less than 3.5%. So it is a little bit different, and that's going to give us some opportunities for planning. Uh, It's going to allow you to keep your tax bracket just a little bit lower, utilize capital gains tax at 0% or 15, get more in the 10 and 12% tax brackets for ordinary income. So it's going to give us some great opportunity to do tax planning. So it goes from three point, to be exact, it goes from about 3.65% to 3.44%. So, you know, that's a nice opportunity there. Um, So it's helpful for people who saved a lot in pre-tax retirement. Um, It won't go into effect until distribution calendars that begin on January 1 of 2021. And, you know, how big of an impact? It's not going to be huge, but it is something that's going to have an impact. Um, And Because keep in mind, once you start taking these minimum distributions, you're going to lose some of the tax control that you have. You know, retirement, you can be more intentional about the income taxes you pay than any other time in your life. Because you can determine where to go to draw your accounts, whether or not they're taxable or not, how you invest your money and what the tax ramifications are for those investments. You have full control of all that. 
when you take your Social Security income affects your taxation potentially. You're in full control of that. You lose a li- some of that control when you turn 70 and a half because you have these mandatory taxable distributions. The most important thing in all this is to just understand the opportunities that you have along the way and that you have a long-term strategy for reducing the tax impact of required minimum distributions from retirement accounts. How do you do that? You do things like when you're in your 60s and you're already retired and you have an opportunity to have taxable income be much lower, take advantage of the opportunities. It could be uh, doing Roth conversion in a 10 or 12% tax bracket where you're going to be 25% or higher six or seven years from now when you're in your 70s and the tax rules go back to the old tax rates. Uh, could be taking advantage of the 0% capital gains tax or even 15% is a bargain for many of you listening today on a long-term capital gain. There are a lot of things to think about. So, um, and even once you are over 70 and a half, there could be additional tax planning opportunities. So, you know, what we do every year in the spring and in April is we do tax preparation. And tax preparation is looking into the rear view mirror. You know, things have already happened. There's nothing you can do. If you got a 1099 because you got a $10,000 capital gain distribution from your $100,000 mutual fund holding, there's nothing you can do about that. It's already happened. If you took money out of your IRA and it's an $8,000 taxable distribution, there's nothing you can do about that. You've already taken it out. If you look ahead, tax plan, planning is looking at what, what tax might you pay today with the decisions you make with your money and how much tax might you pay tomorrow. So um, planning for minimum distributions and how you, you know, IRAs and 401ks are great places to accumulate money, but they become problematic when it's time to take money out. And you need a plan for minimizing the impact of those taxes and actually taking advantage of opportunities that present themselves along the way where you can pay tax at a much lower rate today versus potentially a much higher rate tomorrow. So if you're near 70 and a half, you may be concerned about RMDs and taxes. Charitable giving is one way to minimize all this. Uh, There's a lot of ways. Um, When you go to our website at uh, broganfinancial.com, there is an opportunity to click on a, a, a fill out a a short form and sign up for a free consultation um, or just follow us for more information as, and, and attend my classes. Uh, again, you can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com. My next class at the University of Tennessee is January 30th and February the 6th. Two-part class, financialsurvivalforretirement.com. Now, coming up next, we'll talk about how to pass on an IRA using a trust and how not to use a trust when you pass on your IRA. So don't go away. This is More Living right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
America's weekly radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Mississippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And in this next segment, I'm going to discuss how to use trust to transfer IRA money to kids. And, and should you consider a trust? An estate plan is possibly the most significant gift you can give to a loved one. you got to make sure to plan it right. Now, when we, you know, first off, why would you want to leave an IRA to a trust when you, when you die? Well, there's really only one valid reason, and that is for, to, for control or, or protection, which protection control really is, uh, I mean, protection is all about control. So in other words, if you leave money to your kids outright, you know, you could hurt them. You could leave them too much money too soon. Um, or maybe it's not as bad as you could hurt them, but you just feel like they'd blow it all and it wouldn't be wise and you want to prevent that. But bottom line is you want that control. Or maybe you have a special needs child or grandchild and they're, they're on, he or she's on government benefits and, and they're needs based. And if you give them too much money, it'll destroy the needs based benefits. So you can leave it into a special needs trust where it doesn't disqualify the benefits. Uh, what if it's a spouse in a second marriage? You want to, there's a lot of reasons why you might want control, uh, with your IRA assets, but it also can create problems. It's important to understand the, 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 the ramifications of leaving retirement account monies to your, to anyone but especially your kids and grandkids, because you have to realize you've not paid any of the income taxes on most, if not all of that money, everything except for Roth. And according to the IRS, over 90% of all IRAs are cashed in at the death of the second spouse. So if you don't pay the income tax that's due on those accounts, who do you think's going to? It's going to be your kids. I'm not talking about estate tax or inheritance tax. I'm talking about income tax. If you have $100 in your IRA and you die, your kids, when they cash it in, are going to pay income tax on $100. Well, under current law, current regulation, after your death, when it goes to the kids and grandkids, they don't have to take it all out. They can actually start the year after your death. They can start taking minimum distributions. It's kind of like the rule when you turn 70 and a half except they're going to use their age. It's a different, you know, there's no pre-59 and a half tax penalty. They have to start taking money out. And the idea is they can stretch the payments from your IRA across their lifetime. We call that a stretch IRA. Uh, put another way, they're stretching the tax burden. So instead of paying taxes on $250,000 all at once, for example, they're stretching that out over a period of 30 or 40 or even 50 years. But if you leave it and there's a lot to be done to set up, by the way, to set those up so the kids can do that. Uh, most people don't go to the trouble to set them up properly. We do customized. I believe in cu- doing customized beneficiary designations to take full control of that process. Uh, that's not the topic for today. Uh, but you need to be aware of that. It's not something you just haphazardly name your beneficiaries. It 
absolutely has to have a lot more work than that. I believe in customized IRA beneficiary designations where you take control of all of those distributions options so your kids can actually utilize that. But if you do all that and you leave it to your kids or grandkids or both, they can always take more out. And that might be the rub. You might not want them to, or it might would hurt them if they can. So that's where, okay, well, you want to leave money to trust because that way you can control the ultimate distribution to your loved ones. But you also don't want to blow up all the income taxes because you're leaving them an income tax time bomb. And the challenge is, in order for a, a child or grandchild to do what I just talked about, that whole stretch IRA, the beneficiary has to be a person with a lot because the, the IRS has to be able to measure their life expectancy to be able to determine how, what their distribution schedule is. So they have to be a living person with a pulse is like the way I like to say that. Well, is a trust a living person with a pulse? No. Most trusts that I see are not eligible to do a stretch IRA or put another way. Most trusts I see blow up all of the income taxes. They blow them up. And all the income taxes come due. Because a trust is not a person with a pulse. Now, the good news is, there are ways you can draft a trust to meet some specific IRS guidelines where you get the best of both worlds. You get the control you want with the trust. You also get the tax benefit of this stretch IRA idea or strategy. Because if it's drafted the right way, the IRS will look through the trust to whomever the beneficiary is of the trust, and there's your living person who has a life expectancy. But your run-of-the-mill run, uh, trust is not eligible for that. I, I want to be clear. I'm not an attorney. We don't draft trust documents, but I know those rules on how IRA assets need to be passed. You do need an attorney who understands the rules that would draft that kind of a trust. So if you haven't done that, if you're wanting to control distributions to whomever your beneficiary is, even if it's a spouse, you know, you may be in a second marriage today and you have a blended family. Maybe you want the your IRA or 401k to benefit your spouse, but you don't want your spouse to be influenced into changing their beneficiaries because you want to make sure once your spouse is gone, it goes to your children. And and maybe you even want provisions where your spouse cannot erode the principle. Or maybe you can give them the, your spouse the ability to erode principle. That's up to you. But you're protecting who it goes to when your spouse is gone. But if you don't do it right, you could trigger some big tax consequences. So it, it, the IRA, how your IRAs and your other retirement accounts pass become critically important in your estate plan. And it's important to understand that when you name a beneficiary, that beneficiary designation governs everything. It supersedes the will. It actually supersedes your trust. The only way your IRA asset will go into a trust is if you name the trust as the beneficiary, but then is the trust drafted in such a way that it doesn't blow up all the income taxes. This is all stuff that needs to be reviewed. All right. Now, this is what comprehensive financial planning is. As you can hear from me this morning, it's a lot more than just, well, should I buy this mutual fund or should I buy an index fund? I mean, there's so much more to it than that. 
I mean, I talked about the first session, uh, segment. We talked about tax planning, all the year-end stuff you need to be doing and the opportunities. We talked about changes to minimum distributions and how do you plan ahead for that and use that in your tax plan. How do you in- integrate charitable giving? Um, you know, it's about taking all of your money and making sure it's positioned to provide what you want it to provide for you, for your loved ones, for th- causes that are important to you, whatever it is, and maximizing your your chances of success. There are risks out there that threaten your ability to be successful, and a financial plan is about mitigating those risks as much as you possibly can. So here's another thing, how you handle your estate plan. And I'll be honest, how people pass on their IRAs and their other retirement accounts, in my opinion, (coughs) and I've talked to many attorneys that specialize in this that understand the IRA rules that completely agree with this statement. IRA distribution planning, how you pass your IRAs and other retirement accounts to your kids and grandkids is the most overlooked area in estate planning today. Many attorneys do not really comprehensively address it. They do all the legal documents. They don't do the beneficiary designations. And it has to all be coordinated. And in many cases, you need customized beneficiary designations. Now, then you've got to have financial companies that will agree to abide by your written beneficiary designations. But there's so much coordination that has to go on. Um, so we, in my office at Brogan Financial, we know how to plan all this, but I can't draft legal documents. Well, we have relationships with several attorneys in the area that absolutely know this stuff cold on the IRA side. And they agree with my statement for the most part that it's the most overlooked area in estate planning. So you need a plan to deal with it, especially if you have big retirement accounts. Whether you want controls or not when you die, you need a plan for your retirement account assets. If all you have is a standard beneficiary form that you have filled out and given to the IRA custodian, that is not good enough. More than likely, you're going to need more. Also, you do not want to die with a 401k or other kind of company plan because more likely than not, you're going to blow up all of the income taxes. So typically, you don't want to die with a company plan. Now, there could be reasons you need to keep a company plan and not roll into an IRA, but those are more the exception than the rule. But this is an important part of your estate plan that is overlooked by so many people. Um, I cover about an hour in my two two-hour sessions in my UT class and Pellissippi State class, so four hours total. I do about an hour on taking money out of retirement accounts while you're live and what are those rules and then what happens when you're gone and how they fold into the estate plan. That's how big of an issue that it is. So make sure you're informed, okay? Um, all right, when we come back... I'm going to talk about gift tax exemption limits. How does it work when you want to give money to somebody, your kids, your grandkids, another person? How does all that work? Most people that come into my office or that come to my classes and they ask me about gifts don't really fully under, is it 3000 is it 15000 is it $11 million? How does all that work? Or is it 30000 Is it 45 How does all that work? I'm going to cut to the bottom of this because very few people really understand these rules. And at Christmas time, what a great time to be talking about this. 
so you don't trip up and make a mistake. So don't go away. You're listening to War Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to more living with jim brogan if you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again visit broganfinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement and now here's senior market advisor magazine's 2011 national advisor of the year and host of more living jim brogan Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. And I uh, I do want to mention, um, if you go to my website at broganfinancial.com, you can follow us. You can find out my upcoming class schedule uh, if you click, click on classes. Uh, my next class is January 30th and February 6th at the University of Tennessee downtown. You can go directly to that website at financialsurvivalforretirement.com. Uh, to find out more information. And uh, I encourage you to follow us. We now have on our show, all of our podcasts, the the, the, the actual show, the dollars and cents segments that I do uh, every week when I'm, when I'm, when I have a guest, when I'm not doing a financial show, which is most weeks. Um, and then my retirement minute that runs through the week. We now have those podcasts. You can download them. You can get them at iTunes, um, and all those links are on my website. So go to broganfinancial.com as my goal is to just help you be informed so you can make prudent decisions to impact the quality of your life. Uh, there's a lot of complexity in the world of financial planning, including all these other things that have nothing to do with investing your money, taxes, um, social security, estate planning, health care. There's so many things. And... uh you know, it doesn't, we can keep it kind of simple. I mean, we can take that complex stuff and make it fairly simple in language you can understand. Hopefully, I do that every week here on this program, and that's what I try to do in all the materials and resources that we provide you that you can uh, get it at broganfinancial.com. In this last segment, I always get asked from people that want to give a cash gift. Like, how, many, how much money can I give to my kids without paying a tax? And, and most people really don't understand these rules. So l- let's go through this. You can give $15,000 to any person if you, without filing any piece of paper with the IRS. So if you had three kids, you could give $45,000, right? If you had 10 grandkids, you could give $150,000, right? But actually, it's even better than that. If you're married, a married couple automatically can give $30,000 per person. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's a child, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, a friend, a child of a friend. It could be any person. Now, you can give unlimited amounts from spouse to spouse as long as your spouse is a legal U.S. citizen. But for anyone other than a spouse... A married couple can give 30000 per child per year. 
and a single person can do 15000 But what if your son has had a baby and is married and you want to help them buy a house? Well, you can give 30000 to your son if you're, a, if you're married. You can give 30000 to your son and you can give 30000 to your daughter-in-law. So you could actually give them 60000 if you're okay to give your daughter-in-law $30,000 and lose a little bit of control. But you can do that because you can give 30000 per person if you're married. And if you're married, you don't have to worry about, well, I have to, I do 15000 and my wife does 15000 Or we have to do it from the joint checking account. You don't. You can just write a check for 30000 straight out of your account if you're married. Now, then your, your spouse can't then go and do that, too. So you have to plan it all. But you can do 30000 Now, what if you want to do more than the gift tax exemption? So let's say you want to help your daughter and son-in-law buy a house. And you want to give them $100,000. And I know a lot of you listening are like, oh, my gosh, who would give hundred? There's plenty of people that are probably listening this morning or some that would consider doing something like that. Because I get asked these questions all the time. So you want to give your kid $100,000 to buy the house. All right, well, how do you do that? Do you have to pay tax? The answer is no, but you do have to file a piece of paper with the IRS. So here's how that works. Let's say you're going to give it to your son. Let's say you're married. You can give $30,000 to your son to put down on a new house. You want to give a hundred. Well, you can do 30 with, with nothing. So the extra 70000 you have to claim that gift. With the IRS. So you fill out a form, you send it in. No taxes due at all. You just give them the, the extra 70000 Now, what it means is when you, um, you're claiming that towards your future estate tax exemption. So let's just use round numbers. Right now, it's around $11 million per person. Now, in 2026, it goes back to about $5.5 million. Per person, but right now it's about eleven, roughly. It's a little over, but let's use round numbers. So let's say it's eleven thousand. You gave a hundred thousand to your child. Thirty of that you didn't have to claim. Well, you're going to file a piece of paper that you made an extra gift of seventy thousand dollars to your son. No taxes due. Now your estate tax exemption. If you died next year, instead of being eleven million, it's ten million nine hundred thirty thousand. It's eleven million minus the seventy thousand. That's all. So there's no ramification. And in Tennessee, there's no gift tax. Now, if your child's in another state, you have to look and see if there would be any sort of a, of a, of a tax that would need to be paid by somebody receiving a gift. That would be very, very unusual. But I don't know all the state rules. So you'd want to at least double check. But you can't just, you know, titling a kid's name on a house is the same kind of thing. That's technically a gift. You've got to make sure that you're following the gift rules. Just file the piece of paper. It's not a big deal. I mean, you'll have to pay your CPA, but you don't have to pay any tax. Now, you do not get a tax deduction, but your child does not have to pay income tax on that gift either. It's just completely, nobody has to claim anything. You just give it to your child. So that's how some of those rules work. If you have questions about that, feel free to call our office at 865-862-6800. I also want to mention when you don't have to worry about any of that, gifts to spouses 
are unlimited as long as they're a legal citizen in the United States. Gifts to charity are free of any kind of gift tax. You don't have to file anything as a, to, in, to the contrary. You actually get a tax deduction. Now, gifts made for tuition or qualified educational expenses, that does not count towards your $15,000 gift exclusion if it's given directly to the college. You can just pay the tuition. Now, that is an outside resource for your child. If, if he or she has need-based aid, you could blow up their aid package, but it's not considered a gift. Gift, uh, paying someone's medical expense, if you just pay it directly to the medical provider, that is not considered a gift. If you pay $20,000 of medical expenses and then still want to give your kid $15,000, you can do that as long as the medical expenses were paid directly to the medical provider. So uh, understanding this stuff, and again, this goes back to comprehensive financial planning, how you're wise about how you do things, and understanding that you can actually gift a whole lot of money without filing any paper, and then even if you want to give more, it's just filing a piece of paper. But you know, this time of year, you can be really smart. You can give some now. You can give some on January 2nd. You spread it into two years. So now you've doubled all those exemption amounts. So just be smart. You need to understand these rules. So today we've discussed about comprehensive wealth management because greater planning provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out at our website, broganfinancial.com. You can click to follow us with Facebook and Twitter. You can sign up for our e-newsletter blast that goes out every week email so you can stay in tune to cutting information as laws change and as information breaks, you can stay tuned in so you can make informed decisions to impact the quality of your life. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Colin, running the board. Thank you to Jill helping produce the show. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.